loving to us, your people, whom you died for, your people that even with our best effort still fall short, Lord God. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. We are always grateful for everything else that you've given to us, Lord God. Thank you for allowing us again to be meeting here in person and online for those who are online. Giving us this building, Lord God, to still worship you and praise you, Father, together. We pray right now, Lord God, for healing for those who are spiritually sick and those who are physically sick, Lord God. We know that you are the true healer. Father, forgive us for all of our sins, Lord God. Forgive us for the sins that we've committed against you and then to our neighbors. We ask, Father, that you mend broken relationships, Lord God. And Lord, we ask for your wisdom as you speak to us once again through your message that you've given to me tonight. I pray for your blessings with my preparations, Lord, and I pray for wisdom for me, Lord God. Supersede your message, Lord God. Let you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, the church, the, saint, the, the, the auditorium feels crammed right now because uh, some pe there's chairs that are back. Right? The chairs are back, so please, um, uh, please welcome them. <laughs> they have been uh, stored in, in that one room there for, uh, what, 18 months? Is it 18 months? So last night, uh, after Naomi's 18th birthday, we, uh, me and some of the guests, uh, some of the members, we set it up here. So hopefully, uh, as you see the empty chairs, it reminds you of a friend or a family member that you believe needs Jesus and that you will make that invitation to bring them here because there's room for them. Amen? And if you see the front row, there's only brave brother Walter here that uh, wants to come closer to the pastor. The closer to the pastor, brother Walter, the, the bigger the blessings. <laughs> well, well, you'll find out, right? <laughs> I entitled our message tonight, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I know it was a movie. It's a movie that my dad, dad loved. But I'm using this uh, as we celebrate Mother's Day. We're going to take a break from our uh, Ephesians, uh, Ephesian book journey. And, um, you know, we celebrate Mother's Day and we think of love, right? We think of affection that, our, uh, that we have received or continue to receive from our moms. How they make us feel, you know, whether it's through their cooking or it's through their touch when we're sick. Hey, how many of you, when you're sick, you need to call your mom, even though you're my age, and it'll make you feel better. You just want to tell them, like, Ma, I'm not feeling well. And they'll tell you, well, it's your fault. <laughs> and you feel better all of a sudden, right? Um, the moms have that certain power over us. They do, right? And, um, and it's right, rightly so that we recognize them at least once a year. And the Bible has given us many examples of, of mother, godly mothers and not so godly mothers. And tonight, that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, the good. This is uh, from Exodus 2, 1 to 10. Now, a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. 
But when she could no longer hide him, she had a, pa a papyrus, a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance, the first social distancing, stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. Seeing the basket among the reeds, she set her slave girl to get it. When she opened it, she saw a child, a little boy, crying. She felt sorry for him and said, This is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a woman from the Hebrews to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she drew, she said, I drew him out of the water. There you go. Now, every baby is cute and lovely, especially to their moms, correct? That's a running joke in the Philippines, you know? Philippines, when there's a, um, um, I don't, I don't want to call it a pageant, when there's a contest for good, the good-looking guys, the contestant will always say, my mom told me I'm a good-looking guy, so I believe her, and that's that. <laughs> that's the end of that. But here, we saw earlier that, let me see here, what do I have on the next one? We see that, she's, that the mom saw that the baby was, was special. The other translation says that he looked godly. The mom felt it, that there was something more special with her baby. Now, why did she put Moses in that basket into that river? Now, some background there is because there was an edict by the pharaoh of Egypt. The, this pharaoh now forgot about Joseph and everything that Joseph has done for the Egyptians during that time. So this is many years later after that. Now they started, they, they, they felt that the Israelites were a threat now to the Egyptians. So the edict was, kill every baby boy and keep the baby girl. Now, this is not the lesson here, but I'm going to take it because every time it's thrown at me, I want to take it. So there's the political point of view of our time if abortion is okay. This right here is abortion by demand, folks. It was a mandate by the government that if you have a boy, you're going to lose it. So a godly mom, the godly mom of Moses, protected the baby. Imagine, imagine. She kept the baby for three months. Three long months, she kept her baby to her best. And you know, the, there was not, there, the, the houses before wasn't as, as comfortable as our houses are now. They were crammed in one place. Imagine a baby crying, right? When we're having our service, when a baby cries, right? Some of us were like, well, what, what happened? 
we get distracted so fast. So meaning that the noise of the baby can easily be detected. So what was, what was there? Well, what are we saying there? The, the mom put her life on the line to protect her baby because she did not want to listen to the edict of the Pharaoh, of Pharaoh at that time. So godly mothers, you are to protect your children. Amen? Most of the women here, that's what you, you're very protective of your children, especially in our culture, Filipino culture. We're very protective of, our, of your children, right? The other thing here is, I want you all to know that the Nile, the River Nile, is full of crocodiles. It was full of crocodiles. So, imagine what was in her mind. They're going to kill my baby. Let me put her in a basket and put her in a river full of crocodiles. Right? No, but because of her faith in God, because she knew and God gave her the wisdom to put, her, put the baby in that basket, in that asphalt. And that, it's been said in the commentaries that I read, is what protected the baby, not just from sinking, but from being eaten by the, the crocodiles. But mind you, how many Hebrew boys were killed during that time? And there was this one specific baby that was protected by God. Now, does that mean we discredit God altogether because, oh, there was like 99,000 baby boys that, were, that died, but only one survived. So are you supposed to worship that God? And I'm going to tell you, that baby, that baby became Moses the man. And up to now, up to now, we are reading about him. People are getting saved because of, of his obedience. And he saved, during his time, God saved many people through Moses, through this baby boy that was put in that basket. All because of that mom having faith in God. Right? So, how did Moses' mom keep her baby for three months is the question. God. How did God protect, how did the baby, well, how was the baby protected from the, from the crocodiles and, and sinking from that river, in that river? God. And then what was the timing? Imagine the timing that this, the water will flow to the Pharaoh's daughter at the perfect time when she's going to take a bath. The answer is God. Because our God is sovereign. Amen? And then the other thing too is, even if you have faith in God, even if you depend on God, even if you're trusting in God, trouble comes your way. Amen? Some of you are not convinced. We would rather not have trouble. I agree. I'd rather not have trouble in, in my life. But as you continue, if you continue to study the Word of God, the closer you get to God, the more trouble come your way. It differs. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's circumstances, sometimes it's inside. It's in your heart. But God protects. And then God provided, right? God provided. What was the easy out for the mom? Just to obey, right? Obey the Pharaoh's edict. Have the baby killed. You have two other babies. What's the big deal? survive. No, because her, her faith 
is on God, and she feared God more than she feared men. Amen? Most of us, as we call ourselves Christians, even if we call ourselves Christians, we wear this shirt, we have it on our social media, but we fear men. We fear men more than we fear God. Uh, next verse, please. Again. Uh, I guess I did not have Proverbs. You know, in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you. He will guide you on the right paths. Matthew 6.33 reads, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. Did you, did you see this in, in the story of Moses' mom? Now, some women in the Bible, their names are like clearly written down. So you already know. You automatically know who they are. But for some odd reason, you have to do more digging to find out who the mom of Moses is. Now, for the Bible buff in the room, I will give you, this is your time to shine. What is the name of the mom of Moses? This is the only time you can actually talk. Mother. Somebody play Je the Jeopardy jingle. <laughs> no. It's Jeokobed, right? Jeokobed. The name of Amram's wife was Jeokobed, a descendant of Levi, who was born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram, she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. There you go. You see the, the lineup of her children? Because she's full of faith and she loves God. Look at her, the fruits. Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. Now, the, the credit somehow, we, we read so much about Aaron, we know so much about Moses and Miriam, but the mom sometimes, you know, you play in the background. But without a God-fearing mom that they did, because she got to raise her baby. Imagine she was supposed to lose her baby, and then not only was she able to keep her baby, the government ended up paying her to take care of her baby. Amen? And then she pleased God. All together, pleased God. Number one importance. Now the bad. The bad is this. Matthew 20, 20 to 28. It's in our reading earlier. The mother of James and John came to Jesus with her two sons. She knelt down and started begging him to do something for her. Jesus asked her what she wanted and she said, when you come into your kingdom, please let one of my sons sit at your right side and the other at your left. Jesus answered, not one of you knows what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I must soon drink from? James and John said, yes, we are. Jesus replied, you certainly will drink from my cup. But it isn't for me to say who will sit at my right side and at my left. This is for my father to say. When the ten other disciples heard this, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called the disciples together and said, 
You know foreign rulers like to order their people around. And their great leaders have full power over everyone they rule. But don't act like them. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. And if you want to be first, you must be the slave of the rest. The Son of Man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. Now, are there really bad moms? You're probably asking, right? Yeah, we, we probably know some, right? There, there are some bad moms. But there have been in history terrible moms. You know, moms that have groomed their children to be uh, criminals, right? And then, you know, the, the, the one thing about moms, too, is sometimes moms, they're not good with the text acronym. Yeah, have you heard that, right? Yeah, you know, uh, there was this mom that uh, she texted her son. She said, hey, David, your grandpa just died, LOL. So the son goes, Mom, that's not funny. And then the mom goes, I know it's not funny. What do you mean? And then the son goes, do, do you know what LOL means? And then she goes, lots of love? <laughs> I know, right? And then a Filipino mom was mad. She was angry because she got chocolate. She got chocolate from her son for Mother's Day. And then the mom goes, why are, why are you mad that I gave you chocolate? Because it's chocolate. <laughs> Never mind. I thought that was good when I was reading it. <laughs> now, it's not bad to expect blessings from our Lord, going back to our text. It's not bad. Because we know that when we obey God, God is good to bless us. Because obedience breeds blessings. But not all the time. But most of the time it does. But when we obey Him in order for us to get something, when we serve Him in order for us to get something from Him, what we are getting is the most important thing. When you're coming to church because you want to get something from Him, you're actually just using Him. You are not praising Him. We're, Come to church because you want to praise the God that has given you all things. Pray to God, to the God that has given you salvation. And be thankful and be grateful. The mom here put so much pressure, she put so much pressure on her children here. Because what she did not only ask for blessings, she asked for the prominent, the most prominent positions for her children. Now, what mom doesn't want that, I guess, is somebody would say. For all the moms, we want success for our children. But you know, but practically speaking, speaking, when you want something, if you want the best for your children, it puts an enormous pressure on your child. It does. Because your expectations become a strangling hold upon your children. Now, I, I tell my children what my visions are for them, my dreams are for them. I should say dreams, not visions. And, and, but I tell them, but whatever God wants from you, you have to focus on what God wants from you, not what I want. 
And don't be so tough on them if they want something else. Most of us Filipinos, we want our children to be what? Career-wise. What do we want them to be? N nurses is a step down. But yes, nurses. But first of all, we say doctor. Right? We first say doctor. And then we find out how much the tuition fee is. Like, oh, okay, mag nurse ka na lang. Just go nursing. Because the medical is so expensive. And then we say, oh, okay, if you, I mean, you, you're good to argue. Maybe you want to be a lawyer. So my last name will be there. Attorney, attorney Alonzo Salcido. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You know, you want that, right? You, because you take brag in there too. You take pride in that too. But imagine the pressure that's in there for the children to meet that. Right? So practically speaking, it's wrong. Now how about spiritually speaking? All the more. Because you serve God so you can get blessed? Or you just serve God because you love God? Shouldn't that have been the case for her? Because God already knows what we want before we even ask it. But we have to decipher it in our own minds and in our own hearts, line it up with Him. What am I asking from God? Is this even the right thing to ask? So the good, you see, Jehokobed, did she say, say anything like, Lord, save this baby so she can be the leader of your people? Nothing. She just knew one thing. God wants her to save her baby not kill her baby. She did her best to save her baby. And then God blessed it. Right? God blessed her obedience. But the rest of us, we do certain things for God in return for something. Mostly, most of the time, it's material things. At this point, the mom put so much pressure on, on the children, and then even Jesus warned her already ahead of time. You don't even know the pressure behind that. Now the ugly. The ugly. Now when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son? And he answered, Here I am. He said, Look, I am old and do not know the day of my death. Take my, your hunting gear, your quiver and bow and, and bow, and go out in the field to hunt some game for me. Then make a delicious meal that I love and bring it to me to eat so that I can bless you before I die. The ugly is this. When moms play favorites. Now I get it, not everybody here is a mom. But most of us are parents. Right? So the dad cannot have favorites. The mom cannot have favorites. Now, if you have only one child, you're Mikey. <laughs> you are the favorite son, right? One child, no problem, no jealousy there, right? But if there's, there's two or three, there cannot be favoritism. That's poison for your life. That's poison for your family. There will be disunity in the household. Now that's the ugly part because you know what? Sometimes mom and dad play favorites. Now for those of you who are single that are here tonight, 
you might get married in the future, and then you'll have your own child, the number one advice right now is just have one child. No, no. <laughs> you cannot have favorites. You cannot have favorites. Right? The other one. Now, Rebecca was listening to what Isaac and said to his son Esau. So while Esau went to, his, to the field to hunt some game to bring in, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, Bring me the game and make a delicious meal for me to eat so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now obey every order I give you, my son. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, and I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind he loves. And take it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob, let me continue reading. Jacob answered Rebekah, his mother, Look, my brother Esau is a hairy man, but I am a man with smooth skin. Suppose my father touches me. Then I will be revealed to him as a deceiver and bring a curse rather than a blessing on myself. His mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Just obey me. And go get them for me. So he went and got the goats and brought them to his mother. And his mother made a delicious food for his father loved. Food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger Jacob wear them. She put the skins on the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the delicious food and bread she made to her son Jacob. The father's favorite was Esau. The mother's favorite is Jacob. There's no unity in the family. And then they have forgotten something here. Because on, at Genesis 25-23, Rebekah was told that the older son will serve the younger son. Correct? Yeah, you can read it. It's there. And then Jacob too knew it. Right? Jacob knew it. But because Esau was the hunter, he was closer to Esau's heart. So he disregarded God's command. He ignored it completely and he wants to give the blessing to his favorite. Now Esau, many years before this, years before this, he sold his birthright to Jacob for an ex in exchange of a lentil soup. Not even a good soup. Like those one minute what do you call those? <laughs> the instant. Yeah, I like those, but he sold his birthright to that. And then Esau marrying Canaanite women grieved the parents. A disobedience from God's command. He married those women and he didn't care about God. All those things are in the background of this. But then if he saw Jacob's reaction to not want to obey his mom first, it's not because he didn't want to disobey God. He was scared of the consequences. He said, what if my father finds out it's not me? All the more curses will come to me. Now, folks, let's, br let's bring that to ourselves. Let's apply that to ourselves. Are you not obeying God? Uh -oh. Are you obeying God because you're scared of the consequences? Or are you obeying God because you love Him? Two big differences. Two big differences. Oh, I'm not going to cheat on my wife because if she finds out, I'm dead. 
oh, I'm not, I'm not going to cheat on my taxes because if the government finds out, I'm going to go to jail and have a bigger headache. Now, the way we can grow when we study the Word of God is we read it for what it's written down and the truth behind it. We should not read it based on what we want it to say and to tell us. We should not approach the Word of God to complement to what we want in life. We should read the Word of God for what it says and then adjust our lives according to the commands of God that is written down there. So what does the Word of God say? Love Him with our entire being. Yes, we are saved by grace. We are a new creation. So we need to obey Him with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind. Because we are not going to go to hell anymore. It doesn't mean we need to commit those sins. Because some of us, including myself before, because I knew I was saved by grace, okay, so I can still party and still go to heaven. So what's holding me back? It's incorrect. Because there's no love for God. God has just been, what, a concept? Maybe a principle? Maybe a person I got blessings from or I get blessings from? Not the person that I truly love. Because a person we truly love is we take care of that relationship. Correct? Now, how's your, how's your walk? How's your walk with the Lord? If your walk with the Lord is... If there's more failures than victories, you have to look at your prayer life. Because Jesus said, pray lest you fall into temptation. So are you only praying when you need something? So maybe if you're still in great need, maybe God's trying to tell you, you're not praying enough. And how much of God do you really know from now? It's 2021, right? I don't know when some of us met many years ago, maybe some last year, but how, how much of the Bible that you believe that is God's word have you really studied and then followed? Because you, as a mom, if you have favorites in your household, in your family, you are actually committing sin. This is what the Bible says. This is... Um, from Deuteronomy 10, 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. God doesn't show any favoritism. For there is no favoritism with God. Romans 2, 1, 2, 11. There is no favoritism with Him. Again, in Ephesians 6, 9. And then, now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. Acts 10, 34. And then, you want to see favoritism as a sin? You go to James 2.9. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, the, the consequence for Rebecca and Isaac, you know the consequences for them? Because they played favorites. Rebecca and, and Isaac never saw Jacob again until they died. Read the Bible. They never saw each other again. Jacob saw Esau again for many years later, right? 
He gave gifts before he actually met Esau to kind of appease Esau's head and heart. And that was the only time that, fa that family was never again together. So moms, this is, parents, this is a great warning. You cannot show favoritism. There should not be any favoritism. You should not put pressure on your children in regards to what you want them to be. You can encourage them. You can inspire them, but you cannot pressure them. Because the good parenting, as we have read tonight, is the one that you trust in God completely. You nurture. You see what happened with, with Moses is when, he, when his mom took him back, she had eight, she had eight years, according to the commentaries, she had eight long years with that child. And she spoke to him about God, about Joseph, about how the, the miracles that God has brought to them. She spoke about, she, she molded him to be a God-fearing man. She prepared him. Yes, Moses failed, right? After 40 years, he committed murder, then he ran, and in 40 years in the desert, yes. But eventually, Moses was restored by God. We never heard about anything about the mom of Moses again, but we know of Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, right? Big figures, big figures to have the Israelites come out of Egypt. And cross. So the, to be a godly mom, to be the good mom that God wants us to be, we need to be trusting in God. We need to put aside, put aside everything that we think is good. Not the traditions, not the backgrounds. Not, because we're all molded into, from our parents. Our parents molded us, or our culture molded us, our environment molded us. And if our parents were not biblically sound, we were being molded into what they knew be best at that time. It could be the world. Oh, you got to be rich. Filipinos is that, right? You got to have a great career. You got to have great money. Then I can be so proud of you. For, you know, for, for women, for, this, is, this is success. I said this before. This is the success for Filipino family. If you finish college and then you did not get pregnant or get anybody pregnant, then your parents can say, oh, I did a great job with my kids. Right? And then they can say, oh, I'm successful. They have a nice career. But is that really the whole thing? Because if we're Christians, if you are a Christian, if you are a, a Bible-believing Christian, I should say that, a Bible-believing Christian, because there's a lot of Christians nowadays that don't believe in the Bible. But if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you can read there and you can see there the instructions on how we should truly live. It's not how the world dictates it. It's how God dictates it for us. Now, I put this in here, and I'm hoping it'll work. John 15, 5, 8, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, will, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, the next one is, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my 
disciples. Now, ultimately, God must be the one that we truly love with our utmost. Because the tendency is we make idols of our children. Because they all of a sudden become the most important thing in the world, and rightfully so, right? Because children are blessings from God, right? Children are blessings from God. Life is a blessing from God. But there's no way that God will allow us to make children more important than Him. So, how can you actually not make your child or your children or your family your idol? Is if you remain in Jesus. If you remain in Jesus. Now the question again for us to remain in Jesus is, is Bible reading. I, well, it's, it's sounding like it's a, it's a box to check. But it shouldn't be. It's the bread, right? It's the bread that feeds our soul. To mature as a believer, there should be hunger for the word of God. To be able to be victorious against temptations, the temptations of this world, there should be prayer. Our prayer must be more than our two-minute prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with your two-minute prayer, but there's something wrong if you only pray for two minutes and you're going to tackle the world how many hours? There's nothing wrong with your snippet readings, but there is something wrong if you can actually watch six Netflix shows and can barely read your Bible for five minutes. And then you fall, and then you wonder, I don't know, man, I prayed to God, Pastor. I prayed that I won't fall, but I don't know, I keep falling. I, I don't have the desire to come to church. I don't have the desire to walk with Him. It starts with the appetite. What are you, what are you eating, Right? With our physical health, whatever you eat gives you either, it either makes you sleepy. I'm not talking to you, who's ever sleepy right now. There, whoever is sleepy, it may, right? Uh, lunch breaks in the Philippines is the worst for me. The class after lunch, it's the worst for me, because after eating my lunch, which is normally pork, it's always pork with rice, a lot of carbs. My goodness, if it happens to be math, my worst subject, I'm dozing off. Well, see, because diet, diet gives us energy. Diet gives us the strength to function for the day, right? For those of you who are working out, you take those, those pre-workout stuff, and then it gives you more energy, boosts you up. You can lift more, you're active, you have that, that, that strength. If that's true for your physical health, for our physical health, don't you wonder, wouldn't you wonder, what am I taking in? What am I taking in? Why am I, why, for me to do my spiritual walk, what should I be taking in? So that I will walk in this spiritual life strong and powerful. Number one, if there's no desire, if there's no desire, there's more desire for the world, then that's your first mistake. You have to even ask God to give you that desire. You pray, Lord, give me the desire to walk with you. Give me the desire to read this devotion today. And Lord, remove all what I want to hear from you. Make me humble and make me honest so that I will hear what you want me to hear. It all starts here with your prayer. And then you read. And then you accept it. Again, as we, when we read 
the Word of God, we have to, to read it for what it is. And then we adjust our lives according to what we've read. We don't make the Bible adjust to our culture. Oh, you know, premarital sex is now accepted. Marriage is now odd. So the Bible is outdated. No. The world is upside down. If you believe in God, then the word of God and his instructions are there and written down. It's for you to follow and to obey. The good, the bad, the ugly. If we trust God and love God first, first and foremost, above all else, despite the many challenges that we parents, that you moms face for your children, as you saw in Jehoiakim's life, God protects, God provides, and He can be trusted with your children, with our children. And He, God, can take care of our children better than we can. Some of us don't agree with that. We think we can do it better than God. No, God can take care of our children better than we can. However, if we serve God with an ulterior motive of wanting God to bless our children so that we will serve God so that our children will be blessed to make them a prominent and a powerful and influential person or people. That's why we're in service of God. It puts, it blemishes our service to God. It blemishes our service to God. It puts a different, it, the sincerity is taken away. Because we should be serving God sincerely because of our love for Him. With or without His blessings. With or without His blessings to our children and to our family. Some of us have put the condition, I will serve you if you bless my family. Loving our children and being obsessed with their well-being will drive us at times to sin against God. And with sin comes consequences. And we cannot expect God to bless us and our children who are dear to us if we sin. Now sin can be as subtle as you having a favorite in your family. Because Jesus said the house that is divided cannot stand. That is what happened to the family of Jacob. The mom and the dad were not talking. They did not remind each other of God's promise. Of God's promise of saying the younger will be served by the older. There was no communication. They were not united. There was no united front. And then they had their own children, or their own favorite. Now lastly, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Some people say, oh, that's why I'm not going to be his disciple. God's not saying, because God is a good God. He's not saying to, to hate our children. But what God is saying is to love him more than our children. God is saying that we have to love him more than our lives and our dreams, that we have to love Him more and obey Him than, than, than what we want to do with our lives, especially if it's contradicting our plans. 
God is telling us to love Him more than we love our spouse. Because, because if we love God completely, it will, it will transfer. It will come out of us. Our love for God will come out of us as what? As, as hateful or critical of our spouse or our children? No. If you truly love God, you're going to be loving to the folks, to the people that mean a lot to you. Now, love, true love, doesn't mean you're not going to get angry. Correct? No, that's, that's naive. That's, if, I'm, if I may say, that's stupid. When I love my children, but then when they're making a mistake, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to scold them, and sometimes I will, I will yell at them. Because I love them. I don't want them to make a mistake. Now, how come God can't do that to us? If we're making a mistake, God is good to discipline us. Amen? Amen, amen. That is our message tonight. Happy Mother's Day. I hope that we will know the good, the bad, and the ugly of good parenting, of bad parenting, and the ugly way of parenting through the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message for us tonight, Lord God. Again, Father, I pray for the moms of this church of yours. We pray for our moms, Lord God. We pray for strength for them. We pray for, for peace for them. We pray for health. May you continue to just enable them to do what they want to do for us and for themselves, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you continue to just give them that desire to love you more, to learn more about you as they continue to nurture us and to guide us into that right path with you, Father. For they are big figures in our lives, Lord, and they have a special place in our hearts. We pray, Father, that you continue to just bless them and guide them. And Lord, bless our church family, Lord God. I pray that we will continue to just grow in our relationship with you and that as we step out of this building, Lord God, we will be a blessing to our co-workers, to our family and friends that still don't know you. I pray that you will use us, and I pray that we will be bold, Father, to be used by you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.